0: Welcome to the Cosmosphere Podcast. The Moker gets a lift on the Super Guppy. I'm your host, John Mulnix, and I'm a volunteer here at the Cosmosphere. You can catch me on this podcast and on my other show, The Space Shot. In this episode, we talk with Shannon, Jack, and Carla at the Cosmosphere. This is a cool episode because this year marks the beginning of the 50th anniversary celebrations we're going to be seeing for the Apollo program, so we've got some content related to this, as well as some news at the Cosmosphere. Let's jump right in with Jack to get an update on the Moker consoles and chat a little bit about the process of restoration. So today I'm actually here in Spaceworks. We are in, what do you guys call this, the high bay facility? The north building. The north building, okay. So it might be a little bit echoey, so apologies for the audio, but this is a pretty cool place to record. Uh, we've got Jack Graber again on the podcast to give us an update on what's been happening with the moker consoles since we since we spoke last. Jack, welcome back to the show.
1: Well, thank you for having us, man. This is great. It's fun to have it be on the show. I, I'm, I'm glad to be
0: here and glad to have you on the podcast. So tell me a little bit about what's been going on since we spoke last. There's been some progress.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of progress, a lot of work. We, um, we're done with the cleaning process of the consoles um, and, and uh, got that product um, process all done. We're now moving into the exciting phase uh, that everybody sees where stuff lights up and changes. So uh, it's kind of like building a house. The framework and stuff's all done. Now we're into the finish work. So nice. um, a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, just from when I saw them back in January to now, there's it's an incredible transformation so
1: yeah yeah and it it goes quick and so um you know it you start off and see the long road ahead and you start to see some daylight now at the end of the tunnel it's really exciting
0: so last time we we spoke there was a popsicle stick that was the uh the fun little unexpected find has there been anything else i mean one thing we were talking about and i'll be showing this on the video is this cool little display and how it worked but what what's something else that has stuck out to you over the last month?
1: You know, for the most part now, um, there really haven't been a whole lot of surprises, Um, there's just been some neat uh, discoveries like the display units, like the channel display indicators, um, like some of the message display indicators of how that technology was back then, um, how simplistic but rigid you know i mean it was built to work and um you know it's very simple and so there really haven't been any surprises kind of like the popsicle stick it's just been um neat to see um the changes of technology from the 1960s you know to where we're at now and you know uh, people always talk about you know the greatest generation you know they saw from the horse to landing on the moon and yet sometimes I think we too see some huge differences, it's just in a different way. For sure. um, You know, you go from uh, the P-tube stations, which will be taken back, uh, where they, you know, it was pneumatic air system where you yeah. wrote a message and stuck it in and sent it through a tube to where, you know, now um, you get on a device in your pocket and you can video chat with somebody across the world, you know, instantly. So. Uh, there have been, a, and so it, it's been neat to think about that as we work on these things, um, not just with NASA's progression, but with our progression yeah. through technology.
0: Well, just how things have, were manufactured back then. Yes. Versus, to, I mean, there, there's a lot of similar processes, but just going from, I mean, the bundles of wire here, this is radio, so you can't see it, but just bundles of wire that can be replaced with one little cable mount.
1: Right. Right. That's yeah, remarkable. and you know, even uh, the power consumption. You know, one of the things we're doing, um, we're replacing all the incandescents with LEDs. You yeah. know, and so, in some in just one little in display indicator, we may be dropping you know two three amps worth of power and actually lighting more. Um, and so, yeah, it's just yeah, you know, it's just amazing. And they have, you know, like you say, you're you know guys can't see it but they have these massive power supplies that were that controlled these things that weigh just a ton you know and now we're down to something you know smaller than a loaf of bread and has twice as much power it's just yeah it's really (laughs) been that's been awesome for me as a technology standpoint to see that to see those differences it's just it's cool yeah for
0: sure well, and the news that we just got
1: cleared about to talk about today
0: yeah. is how the consoles are going to be transported back to Houston. Can you talk a little bit about
1: that? Yeah, so this is really cool. So a little while back, uh, uh, Johnson Space Center contacted us and said, "Hey, we have a you know an idea. What do you think about this? What about if we fly the Super Guppy into Wichita and pick up the first round?" And all of us are like. What's well, a Super Guppy, you know. <laughs> we knew it was a plane, but you don't, you know, and for all those listening, Google it and get a picture of it because you're going to be like, how does that thing fly? <laughs> it is the weirdest-looking plane. So, yeah, what they're going to do is in November, um, they're going to fly the Super Guppy um, into Wichita, and we're going to take the first round of these 10 consoles. We're going to load them up on the Super Guppy. They're going to fly them then um, into um uh houston unload them then we'll transport them back to jsc uh, on a truck like we would but uh, yeah for the first round we're going to fly them on a super guppy it's
0: really cool (laughs) that does sound pretty awesome i'm going to try to get out here for that
1: oh yeah please do you bet well
0: jack i am going to let you get back to work here because we caught you in the middle of a work day so Uh, i appreciate you uh
1: taking the time to chat with us you bet i appreciate it very much welcome anytime
0: It was great to see the consoles in person, and even cooler to record that segment at SpaceWorks. I'll be linking to some pictures and some video in the show notes, so be sure to check those out. Now, let's catch up with Carla to find out what's up at the Cosmosphere this fall. So today I'm talking with Carla Stanfield. She's on the podcast again to let us know what's up at the Cosmosphere. Carla, it's good to have you back.
2: Thanks for having me again, John. Glad you keep asking me back.
0: (laughs) Definitely. We'll we'll always have you here. Carla, you know, we've got fall coming up here. It's already Mm -hmm. fall here. And that means there's probably some different stuff going on at the Cosmosphere in October. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: I sure can. We've got, well, some exciting new programming coming out um, to match up with the Girl Scouts who have released some new STEM badges. We are offering some new programming for our scouting program. So that happens. Actually, it's already started. So the best way to see what programs we offer and how they align with those badges is through our website. And there's a link specifically for scouts. So I would encourage folks to look at that. And we also have some new memberships for our Scouts, which is kind of a side note, but our Scout leaders can sign up for only $20 a year and receive some benefits for discounts in our gift shop, discounts on camps. Um, They get priority access to some of our special events and other benefits. Those again are all listed on our website under get involved memberships.
0: Perfect. I'll be sure to uh, make sure all of those links are in the show notes. And, you know, one other thing that's coming up, it's a very big event is this December. Can you talk a little bit about what's going to be going on for the gala um, at the beginning of December?
2: Absolutely. So we are getting really excited around here (laughs) here. uh, because our guest list is getting um, pretty notable. So we are having an event on the 1st, December 1st, called Earth Rising, and it'll be a celebration of the Apollo 8 mission specifically. Okay. Um, we will have astronauts and mission control from the mission uh, 8, but we'll also have other Apollo astronauts joining us and additional NASA VIPs. So right now, our astronauts that are included in the event are Jim Lovell, Walt Cunningham, Charlie Duke, Fred Hayes, Harrison Schmitt, and we just received word last week that Jack Lausma is added to that list. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, so we have, like I said, some pretty big names as far as the astronauts are concerned. And then for mission control, we have Arnold Aldrich, Jerry Bostick, Charles Dietrich, Jerry Griffin, Charles Lewis, Glenn Lunny, William Moon, Frank Van and Milt Windler. We also have, wow. <laughs> no, and it gets more exciting because we have the book author from Rocket Men. His name is Robert Curson. He's going to be joining us and acting as moderator for us that evening. And we'll have a, a current mission control engineer, Michael Stah, present to kind of give present day um, feedback as it relates to what these gentlemen did. Um, for the future and for our present day astronauts in mission control.
0: That sounds awesome. I'm so glad I'm able to come out for this one. That's it sounds like it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And when do tickets go on sale for this?
2: Tickets will be available first, John, to our Cosmosphere members on the 15th. they They'll You, if you are a Cosmosphere member, are going to want to watch your inbox. That's how we're going to communicate the opening of this to you. So you'll be directed through a link to our ticket sales site. Okay. Um, and then we'll open up our general ticket sales for the public on the 29th. Okay. Okay. I want to make a couple other mentions here. We will have a limited number of VIP tickets available, and those tickets will allow you an opportunity to actually physically visit with these NASA guests before the presentation that evening. It also have other benefits like closer seating to the stage, valet parking, extra drink tokens, et cetera. Okay. so there are some benefits for getting your tickets early. For sure. And the other the other thing I want to mention on this is that the tickets are non-refundable. Okay. And we are providing photography that evening. So we're asking no selfies. Sure.
0: That makes sense. You know, I'd, I'd rather have a professional photographer do the pictures anyways.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that way you're guaranteed in one with your eyes open. No doubt for sure. Well, Carla, that
0: sounds like a great opportunity and I'll be sure to share links to all of this in the show
2: notes for everybody to check out. Thanks for coming back on. Wonderful. Thanks for having me, John.
1: MPS on A2. Satellite launch. Latch A from lock to unlock. Check. Latch B from lock to unlock. Check. Activate. Check. Pilot F2. Confirm AC volts are between 97 and 174. Display 2. From 97 to 1, we're at 117 across the board. We're going.
2: Commander C1, item 8. Item 8. Do not hit enter yet.
1: Commander and PLC C1. Where are we at? we at the hour mark. We're high. rapidly approaching. Okay.
0: We appear to be caught in the uh, time, time
1: warp. Can we do the time warp dance? <laughs> Alright, We're almost there. We've got a okay, few seconds.
2: This is, this is where we need to do it,
1: at both at the same time. Maybe we're yes. passing over
0: the South Atlantic Anomaly. We're
1: we'll gonna let the MPS hit the satellites. Three, two, one, mark. Check. Woo! there it goes.
0: <laughs> uh, PLC, standby for satellite to clear
1: PLB. How's it looking out the aft window? Awesome. Uh, Capcom, this is PLC.
2: Go ahead, PLC.
1: Uh, satellite has been deployed.
2: Uh, Roger that. We confirm satellite deployment. Uh, looks like we successfully deployed over the uh, Atlantic o- or the Arctic Ocean, just below uh, Australia. Good day. Okay, Delta. Due to our um, power failure earlier, we are going to need you to skip quickly ahead to um, spec. Uh, st- uh, stand standby for your flight director. All right, Delta, we're having some issues here on the ground because of our earlier electrical failure. Commander, go ahead and enter in spec.
0: That was some audio from the adult astronaut adventure that I attended earlier this summer. I think I can speak for all of the attendees when I say that we thoroughly enjoyed the camp and are looking forward to more in the future. If you're listening and you've got kids, or if you want to attend a camp for yourself, please check out the link to the Cosmosphere camps in the show notes of today's episode. Now, let's finish up today by checking in with the curator at the Cosmosphere. I'd also like to note that as part of the adult astronaut adventure, you get to tour the basement archives at the Cosmosphere. You'll see artifacts that aren't on display for various reasons, and it's a really fun part of the camp. Just one more reason you need to get to Hutchinson next summer for the 2019 camp. Today I'm talking with Shannon Wetzel, the curator at the Cosmosphere. Shannon, it's been a long time coming to have you on the podcast, so welcome.
3: Well, thank you for having me.
0: So we're, we're coming up in a couple months on the anniversary of Apollo 8, and the Cosmosphere has some unique artifacts related to that mission. Can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yes, we have quite a few from Apollo 8. I did a quick search before this podcast Perfect. just to make sure I didn't miss anything believe it or not we have a large collection of space food that was flown on apollo 8 i guess they sent a lot of extra just in case right
0: that would be yeah. that would make sense
3: (laughs) we have the um translunar injection procedure manual which is extremely cool yes It has handwritten notes inside of it. Uh, One of the surprising things to me, again, I have no space background, so, um, you know, I learn something new every day. (laughs) And every day I'm floored by what those astronauts had to do, even in terms of talking about cameras. I mean, it wasn't a digital camera. It wasn't like a point and shoot. I mean, these Men had to learn how to be photographers, professional yeah. photographers, more or less, on the moon, wearing a spacesuit and, and, and geologists, geologists, <laughs> and everything else. Right? They were uh, tr- truly heroic, obviously, but then everything I learned more heroic. Um, but the TLI procedures—one of the things that strikes me about it—is how thin it is. Mm-hmm. You know, to get out of Earth orbit, I'm going to need a giant 500-page manual. <laughs> They were fine with a small booklet and, of course, had trained so much, I'm sure that they were well prepared, but it floors me to see how little instruction is really in there. Um, Well,
0: um, back when I was here for the adult astronaut adventure over the summer... That was one of the artifacts that you showed us downstairs. Was it
3: really? Okay, it good. And I got some yeah. cool
0: pictures of that, so I will be posting those along oh, with this cool. episode.
3: Oh, so cool! Oh my gosh! I got See, chills I didn't when even I saw know that. You were do that.
0: <laughs> Me neither. At How the time. How exciting! So yeah, this works out. Yeah. So, the big thing with Apollo Eight, obviously, besides the the first the first mission around the moon and getting an orbit around the moon, is the the iconic, the truly iconic photograph. Um, now known as the Earthrise photograph. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how that's related to one of the artifacts here at the museum?
3: Yes, we do have the camera that was used on Apollo 8. Um, It is actually... I'm prepared for the why isn't it on display question right (laughs) were you going to go there or you were going to be very polite i'm sure (laughs) but why isn't it on display um as the smithsonian works to redo their galleries that camera will go on display in the oh i can't think of destination moon i can't think of what their title the title for their exhibit is but that camera is not on display here because soon it will go on display at the smithsonian oh wow Mm
0: okay So that's one of the cool things about the Cosmosphere, too, is because the affiliation with the Smithsonian, there's a lot of, it's kind of like a good interplay, I guess, between the two museums. Is that right?
3: Oh, yes, absolutely. And being a collection staff of one, I benefit so much from their research, even their website, but having access to their curators and uh, particularly their camera curators have been extremely helpful just in me learning about the camera collection.
0: Well, and that's one of the topics I want to stay on. Is the the camera collection here at the Cosmosphere is extremely extensive, and I've heard Jim talk about this. And you're, you sound like you know it's it's true here. The Cosmosphere has the largest collection of space camera hardware.
3: Yeah, and as I mentioned before we started, <laughs> that I don't have numbers. I cannot confirm okay. that with numbers, but yes, I believe it is true.
0: Okay. And then one of, one of the very unique pieces of this collection is a camera from Apollo 14. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yes, uh, the significance is not just that it's a camera from Apollo 14, but it is the only camera to be returned from the lunar surface. When you're on the lunar surface taking photos, um, in order to cut weight, you know, you want to bring back lots and lots of samples they basically discarded anything that they didn't need so they would bring back the film magazines not the actual camera this is an actual camera that was brought back from the lunar surface and i did some research before this trying to find out what happened what was the significance yeah. and i couldn't find anything so i wonder if someone just forgot <laughs>
0: that's kind of a cool historical quirk yeah it potentially is. it ended up here just because
3: somebody yeah. forgot about it brought it in
0: well, and one of, the, one of the things on display downstairs, too, is like the film magazines that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, those, you know, it's not like a digital camera nowadays where the images are just stored on memory. These were actual, pretty bulky, what, like two, three-inch yes. cubes, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and they held the film that was exposed on the lunar surface or in orbit of the moon. Right. What's unique about the ones that are on display here at the Cosmosphere?
3: we have on display downstairs a film magazine from every manned Apollo mission signed by one of the astronauts on that mission. And it's actually in a very cool little display. So it's one
0: of my favorite displays here. And that's just one of the things too, because it's, it's, they're signed by the astronauts and then there's also on the sides that it it says a little bit about like what's on the magazine i think yes
3: specifically i mean you know the the record keeping is extensive so yes they can tell what images were taken from that magazine it's pretty incredible it is pretty incredible
0: So one of the things besides managing the massive collection of artifacts The camera
3: collection in particular.
0: Exactly. Is that that there are new artifacts that come in. Can you talk a little bit about the process of what goes into making sure those are cataloged correctly? I mean, for me, I don't know anything about archiving. Oh, right. So if you could just give us like a a crash course, if you will.
3: Well, I mean, when I give tours, I... I think the best way to explain it is I'm basically a librarian except for stuff instead of books. Okay. So every piece gets a unique number and gets entered into our system, photographed, um and is, you know, its storage location is tracked just like a library and, you know, 99.999% of the time it's right where it says it's supposed to be. And usually when it's not, it's a typo. <laughs> the human error is still in there. <laughs> And,
0: you know, downstairs, I've been down there the one time. What, I I had a couple favorites that I could name, but what is Mm -hmm. your favorite artifact down there that's not on display?
3: As I always say, officially, I love all of our artifacts equally. So that is my official statement. Um, We have so many cool things in storage that I wish I could pinpoint a favorite but one thing that comes to mind is that we have this really cool chess set it's a russian chess set and so the pawns are little sputniks and the i'm trying to think of what the other things are i'm gonna get them wrong but so say the queen is a soyuz yeah all these symbols from the russian space program
0: wow yeah
3: are you going to ask me why that's not on display? Gonna, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a
0: little bit dumbfounded now. Oh my well, gosh, of God.
3: course there are so many things that if I told you, you'd why isn't that <laughs> on display? But, um, uh, we, you know, we can't have everything on display. Yeah. The chest set, unfortunately, needs some conservation work. Much like okay. the TLI procedure booklet. Okay. Uh, just as a side note on that, sure. um, a well-meaning uh, past employee taped it to its plexi stand. Oh, so... Man. It needs some conservation yeah, work. For sure. Uh, the chest set, um, I'm trying to that. You know, the in between the squares, there's like a little metal kind like of grid. Know, yeah, like a. Yeah. yeah, to make the grid. Yeah. And a lot of those have popped up. Okay. So it's not in the best condition to okay. go on display. And of course, one of the things we think about when we work on exhibits is condition. Uh, condition in terms of harming the artifact, of course, as well as aesthetic. Sure. Display purposes. Sure,
0: well, that makes sense. I mean, one of my favorite things—that's just aesthetically one of the coolest artifacts here—is the little lunar impactor the soviet impactor
3: that is my favorite piece on exhibit i love that (laughs) so cool and i think it gets skipped too much i always put it in my tours it's a little bit
0: tucked in the side there unfortunately so if you if you come to the cosmosphere it's kind of in this little dark corner that you have to hang a left as you're going through
3: that's right in the kennedy theater you'll see it and if you don't see it ask one of us
0: (laughs) (laughs) well and you know shannon one of the other things that I saw when we were on the tour for the astronaut adventure this summer was the baseball. Yes. That to me, when you were going over the story of that. Yes. Is just incredible and for those of you who don't know, I think I talked about it a couple episodes ago. Oh,
3: did you really? Um,
0: but I don't remember the, the specifics. I think I just mentioned that there was a baseball signed by the Apollo 1 crew. Right. And when you were telling us that story, do you mind sharing a little oh, bit of yeah, that? Oh, yeah, I will
3: try. Okay. I'm not a baseball fan, so I may get a couple things. I always have to look up the, the specifics before I tell a group. But it is a 1966 World Series baseball. It was a foul ball You know, so someone in the stands caught it, and he really wanted to get the team to sign it. Oh, and I'm sorry, Sandy Koufax was pitching. Okay, that's a big deal to people. I'm afraid again, I know nothing about that. So, (laughs) but that is a big deal to a lot of people. Generally, when I say that during the tour, I get a couple. (gasps) (laughs) So Sandy Koufax was pitching. Um. He wanted to get it signed by the team, and unfortunately must have missed them. As I always say, they went out a different door or something, yeah, you know. Yeah, probably. And uh, so he took it to a local eatery, diner, or something along those lines, and was telling one of the employees there this story. And the employee said, well, there's three astronauts over at that table. Why don't you have them sign it? So he did. The three Apollo 1 astronauts. And so this was 1966, the fall of 1966. Yeah. And so probably three, four months later, they all three perished in that fire. Yeah. So it's kind of a chilling story, yeah. really.
0: I'm, I'm getting goosebumps as you're telling That's that right. again. Because it's just, it's such an odd little historical... It is. I mean, what are the odds mm-hmm. of all of that happening? I think it's just a really interesting confluence of events got that baseball Mm -hmm. to that spot and I will post some pictures I got a couple pictures of that that I will be posting along with this episode so that way people can see what we're talking about well Shannon that's that's all the time we've got for today I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and we look forward to having you on again soon
3: yes thank you for having me
0: I want to thank Jack Carla and Shannon for taking the time to chat with us this month a big thank you to all of you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. They're crucial to the success of podcasts, so we'd appreciate it if you could take just a minute to leave a rating or review. For the Cosmosphere, I'm John Mulnix.